The Sherrod family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Mike Russo, Anthony LaPenta coming to you from Wyoming, Minnesota. I thought the state, but it turns out to be the city. We're at Split Rocks, another of uh, Tim Tuttle's enterprise. Thanks for the uh, the applause. And uh, man, this is just really cool to come on up here where they still have Christmas lights up. They do. It's a great spot, though. Yep. It is really like cool. Be a great place to yep. watch a game. Yep, absolutely. There's Brian Lawton right now. Um, how about um, uh, the first thing I noticed when I walked in here is Keith Yandel has officially played nine. Just I mean, imagine 965 consecutive National Hockey League games in a league where you take. I mean, just like look how easy it was for Jonas Brodine to get hurt in Boston, right? Just tries to catch a puck, boom broken hand and it's just it, it's some you know you walk into an arena now up oh, sorry you tested positive for covid adios this guy has played 965 consecutive games and uh yesterday in my fantasy league i put him on unconditional waivers well you had to make major changes because your team came up short the week before i know our head-to-head matchup yeah did I, what did i wind up losing five four i think so yeah five four uh so i uh made a huge blockbuster trade i, I acquired just like the minnesota wild they're gonna do uh claude Giroux, uh justin falk and dylan larkin I, I traded Quentin Byfield in the deal, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, Anthony, who's our commissioner, told me that I had to throw people on unconditional waivers well, to get rid of them to make room on my roster. There's a CBA, and you were in violation of First it. First of all, it's the collective bargaining agreement was really the Anthony bargaining agreement. He <laughs> single-handedly wrote the CBA. And, Which you've uh, had in your possession for right. six years. So he, uh, in a panic, basically texted me. He's like, you got to get rid of two players. So I'm like, get rid of Yandel. <laughs> and, and on, the day <laughs> on the day that he's going to break the NHL record. So, so there were a couple of good stories that, well, number a couple of good points I thought on this. Number one is the guy whose record he passed didn't miss a game in his entire career. I know. That was crazy. his career. Yeah. 964 for Doug Jarvis. But then the other thing was, did you hear the story of the time Yandel lost nine teeth, came back and finished that game, excuse me, <clears throat> and then the next morning had oral surgery to get false teeth put in and played that night. It's crazy. Um, reminded me, actually, that story of Ole Jokinen in, in Florida once took a, a butt end of George Kingston's stick uh, in his mouth, sheared off, like, every tooth, had to have, like, six root canals before playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the... Mike Keenan was so pissed off that it happened in the morning skate that he blew the whistle, ended the morning skate, and it was a, it was a, it turned out to be a great story. Google that one. Well, and Fun. the other thing that it, when you mentioned all the different reasons why guys miss games and yep. sometimes out of situations out of their control, but 
it, I just had this discussion with some friends of mine about two weeks ago where they were arguing in defense of NBA players that take games off to mm-hmm. rest, right? just to rest. And he said, yeah, but you have no idea what the grind is of an NBA schedule. And I said, the <laughs> NHL schedule is exactly the same. Yeah. They play basically the same number of games in the same amount of time. And you're telling me that those guys have to, they just need a night off for rest in the middle of the season? I mean, can you imagine if you just showed up at a rink? Other than, let's say, the last game of the season where a team, you know, they're heading into the playoffs, yeah. their spot's already full. If all of a sudden, just on a January night, yeah, Matt Zuccarello is just going to take a night off just to rest tonight. Yeah, I mean, it'd be unheard of. Yeah, I'd get I, run out of the league. No, no doubt about it. And somebody asked uh, uh, Dean Evison the other day with the 40 games and 77 coming up if he's going to start resting players. And Dean almost choked. I mean, it's just, it's not, it does not happen in the National Hockey League. Again, unless the Wild are going to be, you know, 10 points up clear of a playoff spot and you're going to try to protect yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, there's, and there's like spots that. like yeah. that. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, Tampa in, had yeah. seven really good defensemen. Yeah. So they were going to play Victor Hedman, they were going to play Ryan McDonough every night. And the other five, they rotated through four spots mm-hmm. and but that's different that's not just a guy taking a, a random night off because they think they're going to win tonight anyway so let's just rest him remember was it uh, like game 80 or 81 uh, several years ago the wild clinched while we were in nashville and they had a couple games left at nashville at st louis and they rested some guys uh, each game and so stuff like that happens in those situations and things like that thanks again for everybody for coming out here to split rocks uh um, awesome, awesome place. So exa- uh, very much like Elsie's and Tuttle's, uh, some of the other Tim Tuttle operations with the bowling alley and great food and drinks and, and all that stuff. Our next live show will be at uh, Tuttle's, February 17th, 7 p.m. at Hopkins, uh, in, in Hopkins at Tuttle's. So uh, thanks for that. Thanks to all our sponsors and all that stuff. Where to get started, um, uh, Anthony? First of all, the Wild 6 one in their last 7, 10-0-1 in their last 11 at XL Energy Center, uh, if you include the winter class. 10-1-1. But not only that, I mean, they are just outscoring teams by a country mile every single game. Yesterday's game got very, very chippy um, against the Montreal Canadiens. But man, are they, uh, they're, they've, they've, it looked like this season was getting hairy after the uh, Winter Classic. You look at some of the games coming up, Washington, Boston, nine guys out of the lineup, and here they are, 6-0-1 since the Winter Classic. Yeah, it's been great. And, you know, the Montreal game was was a free space. I mean, that team's a mess. Holy cow. That, I mean, that, that's, that is one of the worst NHL teams that I can ever remember watching. But the games before that, the two back-to-backs against Chicago, and Chicago's been playing well. I mean, don't be fooled by where they sit in the standings right now. They've been playing really well lately, and Minnesota went and ran them out of their own building on Friday night. And then Saturday, more of this six-on-five magic. I mean, it is, we're running out of ways to try to put it into words and describe it, but it is crazy the success this team has had. The last five times they've pulled their goaltender at the end of a game, they've scored a goal. Yeah, and and like within seconds, it feels it's, like. it's, it's unbelievable. Crazy. And they, it's now sixteen times they've pulled the goaltender at the end of the game. They've scored twelve goals in those spots. And you know, just for some perspective, the their opponents, I think, have pulled the goalie. I think it's eight times or nine times. But the Wild have outscored them six empty net goals to two six on five goals allowed. Yeah. And the other way, it's 12-6 in Minnesota's favor. So, I mean, they're just, they not only are scoring, they're not giving up empty net goals, and they're confidently pulling the goaltender earlier and earlier every night because they know they've got two groups. I thought that was one of the, the biggest deals on Saturday night was... Not calling two, a timeout. Not calling a timeout. Two and a half minutes left. His first group had just been on the ice, 
And a lot of coaches there call a timeout and run the superstars right back out. And I talked to Dean about it the next day, and he said, I thought about it, it ran through my mind, and then I thought, what does that say to the second group, which has yeah. some talent on it? That second group has Felino, it has Hartman, it Fiala. has Fiala, it goals. has Greenway. And he said, look, those guys, they've been playing hard too. They've been going well. We, they deserve a chance. Now, I also was looking at it saying with two and a half minutes, if you call your timeout, put your, at some point the other group's got to play anyway. So why not just play them there and save your timeout for a minute and a half later if you need it? But I just think he's pushed all the right buttons in those spots. He did it in Pittsburgh earlier this season and ran the second group out there with 12 seconds left, and they rewarded him with a tying goal. And it's a team with a ton of confidence in those spots right now, and I think a big part of it is they've got two six-on-five groups that have both been in those spots. They've both succeeded in those spots. So they're fresh. They're energetic. And, and that's a big reason why I think they've had that kind of success. If you remember the, the net that they uh, pulled in Pittsburgh was a similar situation where he put out... You yeah, know, with 12 got, seconds yeah, left. Yeah. It was, uh, and you know, Hartman was, got the game-tying yep, goal that night. Thing. Beckman like, made a play yeah, behind the net. You know, and, and you're looking and you're like, all right, well, why are those guys on the ice? And it's, it is, it's trust. And I know it becomes almost at this point feels like coach speak. But I really don't think it is. And, and no, last I talked night, to Marcus Foligno yeah. that night after the game, and I said, when, when all of a sudden it's two and a half minutes and probably, let's say, 30 out of the 32 coaches in the league call a timeout and run those guys back out there. And when I asked Dean about it before the, the morning of the Montreal game, and he said, look, I mean, if I had Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid or somebody and, you'd, and you didn't run those guys back out there, maybe people would think you were nuts. But he said, just other than maybe those two guys – all these other guys are capable of scoring too. And, and he told a great story. And he said, I learned this lesson early in my days in the NHL. It was his first game up in the league. And he had just been called up. They had the, he didn't play when they played the Rangers in, at Madison Square Garden. Then the next game they were playing the Islanders. And this was right in the Islanders' heyday. And he said, my first shift, I go out on the ice for a defensive zone faceoff against Brian Trottier. And he said, I'm bearing down to, I'm going to win this draw. And Trottier just put it right through my legs, and they scored a goal. And he said, about a, my next shift, Trottier is on the ice, and I got thrown back out there. And he said, look, how else are you going to learn? And he said, I filed that away, and I've tried to remember that as a coach all the time, that if you don't give guys the opportunity, everybody's going to make a mistake. And if you don't give a guy an opportunity to to bounce back and to atone for his error, then you're never going to get anywhere. And I think he's coached that way all year long. It does feel like, uh, you know, Dean talked about it at the end of last night's uh, game as well, is that just the welcoming, welcoming locker room that this team has right now. And you see it. You know, he called it, it has to be a wonderful place to walk into. And you see it. Guys like Connor Durer, who clearly was nervous last night to talk to the media, but he yet feels extremely comfortable walking in that room and making a name for himself. Matt Boldy, same thing. We saw it in training camp with Adam Beckman and how much the Marcus Felinos of the world wanted a guy like Beckman on the team because they, they just love the kid, the kid's energy and things like that. I think that a lot of veterans don't feel that way. When they look at that guy and saying, he's going to take my power play time, he's going to take my time at the end of the net. We saw that for years here in Minnesota um, during those times when, when Koivu and, and Parisi and, and Suter and Stahl and all these guys were still sort of in their prime, that we, the young kids never got that opportunity on six-on-five situations, on five-on-three situations. And, and, you know, last night, a great example. Like, you know, deep down, Kirill Kaprizov's like, why are you taking me off at 43 seconds, you know, into my shift on a six on five? But yet he watches 
the Wild, or two games ago, watches the Wild score that goal. And I just think it says everything about the culture that they're trying to build in that locker room. Well, it does. And it, the teams to which you refer had no less talent on that second right. group. I mean, think about the guys Coyle, who would have been Zucker, on the second Niederreiter. group. Exactly. Yeah. Those guys are no less talented than Felino, Greenway, you name it, Hartman, Fiala, the guys who are playing on the second group now. And, I, yeah, I, I think it's – I think – Dean's done it the right way with those guys. He's empowered those guys. And, you know, we see it. I know the last couple of games the fourth line hasn't played as much as, as even Dean has said it after games, as yep. much as he would like. But throughout the season, he's trusted those guys. They've been on the ice for defensive zone draws, protecting a lead late. And it, every guy on that bench is engaged because they all know that they've been a big part of the success this team has had to this point in the season. No doubt. Uh, Connor Jur last night, uh, you know, I think he's looked really, really good and finally gets his first goal last night. Uh, super excited for him. 22 seconds uh, later, he gets his first career multi-point game. And the irony of doing it also sort of in front of Rem Pitlick, the guy that, you know, essentially why Rem is on Montreal is a lot of reasons. It's because of Connor Durer and just the fact that he maybe suits that fourth line role more, maybe more than the organization thought Rem Pitlick did. Yeah, and Pitlick scored that night too. Yeah. But that, and the Montreal's excited about him. Yep. I mean, there were a couple guys that, you know, the Montreal broadcasters are remote, but I was interacting with them a little bit throughout the day. And one of them finally, at one point, just texted me and said, Does Minnesota have this much depth that they don't need this guy? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, this guy's not, this guy wasn't even really on their radar. And, in terms of future plans. And, and yet Montreal looks at him and says, he might fit well here with what we've got going. No doubt about that. I mean, and we saw the skill last night. And he just, he, that's the way it works in the National Hockey League. I know sometimes it, it just almost sounds to even all of us, not just fans, but beat writers, is almost hilarious that the Wilds got too much depth for a skilled guy like Rem Pitlick, but that is the reality. Um, it's like somebody asked me today, do you think the Wild are going to you know, acquire Riley Smith, go after him, because they're going to have to make a move to get Jack Eichel under contract? And I'm like, Where, you're, you're going to oh, let's see, you got Zuccarello and you got Kaprizov, you got Greenway and you got Foligno on the, on the best checking line in the National Hockey League, and you got Fiala and Boldy. Why do you need Riley Smith? It, that's, the way, that's the position that this team is suddenly in. Well, and it's even, quite amazing. even go deeper than that to the fourth line, yep. because the fourth line, if they acquire a center, now all of a sudden you're talking about Freddie Goudreau being fourth a fourth line, line yep. along with Sturm, Duhame, Bukestad, Dewar. You yep. might have five guys for three spots, even if you don't acquire a center. You've got four guys for three spots on that line. And that, that is the best checking line in the league. And how fun is it right now to be watching this club and take a look at the top line? And I'm not sure there's a better line in the NHL right now than Zuccarello, Kaprizov, and Hartman. And that's, I mean, that's, that's amazing when you think about it because for years it's been, okay, the Wild might be able to match up with Colorado because they might be able to defend them and maybe Colorado's not deep enough. They get the, their top line's terrific, but after that they fall off. I mean, and that top line for Colorado is as good as any say, in the league. Uh, that'd be the one I'd, I'd probably one, and, fight. Yeah. And if Boston throws the perfection yeah. line together, that might still be... You know, when you're talking about Bergeron, Marshan, and Pasternak, I mean, but you're talking about a line that's in the same conversation with those guys. Yeah. And Minnesota's never had that before. No doubt about that. And how about, same thing, the grief line. Greenway, Erickson, Eck, and, and you could fact check this, uh, but Greenway, Erickson, Eck, and Felino, according to Money Puck, has not been on the ice for an even strength goal against this season. Is that humanly possible? 
According to Money Puck, that is true. I'd have to go back. I'll have to go back and look. look we did have a, we did have a graphic the other night on their expected goals for percentage, and when they're on the ice, they're among the best lines in hockey in that area. Uh, It'd be hard it, to figure out exactly like all the games they've played together, but there's a way to do it. And, and yeah, no, yeah. I can. We will. We'll look that up. We'll have that. We'll have that for you in Friday night's broadcast Thank you. from New I, York. I appreciate that. Um, how about John Torchetti back in the National Hockey League? Uh, Chuck Fletcher putting the old band back together. He's got Mike Yo coaching there. He's got John Torchetti, who was the interim coach that replaced Mike Yo here and now on their bench. Although um, I kind of want to get that game on and see if he's actually on the bench today because uh, the one thing that I don't know if the Flyers have announced yet is, but I do think there was a little, little bit of a COVID issue that might have happened there when he when he tested this morning. I don't know if anything's changed since uh, since I heard this morning that he was going there. Um, we actually had a, the last couple of days, we've been chasing this as the athletic because we knew they was coming back somewhere. And uh, today it winds up being confirmed Philly. Um, but I don't know if, I mean, I mean, how funny, I mean, it, you don't want COVID on anybody, but uh, like, like, could things just be the worst possible situation ever in Philly? If they finally make they make this move, they bring John Torchetti there in a year like this, and they're like, "Oh, and by the way, he's not available for five days." <laughs> it's just, it's just, you can't even make it up what's gone on in that situation. Yeah, but it's a mess there right now. But you got too. Yo, you got Brent Flair, you got Chuck uh, Fletcher, you got Nick Schultz behind the bench, you have Tricky Rick, uh, Rick Bronwell's their equipment manager. The whole team's uh, yet Sealer playing there as well. Um, you got the whole uh, former Minnesota Wasn't Wild Mayhew situation. playing for them too? Yeah, yeah. He Mayhew's um, plays for Lehigh County and he had gotten into the lineup uh, definitely yeah, a couple weeks ago. he played last night. Yeah. Um, um, he's the one that uh, a couple a couple weeks ago in Boston I had like nine when um, who was it that scored his first oh Matt Boldy scored in his first NHL game and I, said, I, I tweeted out he was the eighth or ninth and I put out the list and there was one missing. And guess who direct messaged me as a fact checker? <laughs> It was it was it was Jerry himself. So I figured. Uh, I don't know how I forgot that game. He remember he scored like like forty yeah. seconds left in Toronto in a blowout loss, and uh, I couldn't even celebrate the poor kid. Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, how about also Olympics today? Um, you know, not only is Eric Stahl going there to be the Olympic, uh, probably Olympic captain, I would think, um, but you got uh, wild prospect Jack McBain for Team Canada. Um, joining Sam Henschkes, a, a St. Cloud State kid from around here. Totino Grace. Yeah, um, and I think he's from up here, somewhere in North Branch maybe, somewhere like that. Uh, maybe I'm totally wrong. Uh, it's somewhere up here, right? No, Northern actually, I, thought, people? I thought he was from Fridley. Okay. Well, Totino Grace isn't Fridley. But no, I, don't no, think I thought that's from, where he was from, too. You know those private schools, they grab from everywhere. Right, um, right. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> um and then you got, uh, let's see, uh, Maxime Noreau, former Wild Prospect. You got uh, Daniel Winnick. And you got the great Landon Ferraro, Ray Ferraro's kid that used to all play for the Wild. They're all playing for Team Canada. So Henschke's for USA Hockey. Jack McBain for Team Canada. The Wild are going to try to sign Jack McBain after his Boston College senior season as well. A lot of teams circling him to try to get him as a free agent and dissuade him from signing in Minnesota, and we'll see what happens there. The Wild are obviously going to have to burn a year to get him under contract. Yeah, or and there's gone. a ton of other Minnesota con- connections as well, Gophers that are playing. Yep. you got coaches from St. Cloud State and Minnesota State. I mean, it's it'll be a fun tournament to watch. It's not, it isn't going to be the caliber it would have been with the NHL players for certain, but it'll be an entertaining tournament. Yep. Let's talk a little trade deadline here. Um, so last night I was talking to Pierre Dorian in the Wild Press Box and um, uh, Ottawa Senators GM. He was there with Pierre Maguire. And uh, so <laughs> when I was talking, oh, man, I, I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast. So when I, 
when I was talking to him during the, uh, the, the uh, first intermission, I said to him, hey, can I tweet that you and Pierre Maguire are, are here and we'll just really get Bruce Garriach just to like see how quick he texts you to like, why are you doing, why are you in Minnesota? Bruce Garriach, the longtime Ottawa Sunwriter. So a lot of that tweet, Bruce, if you're listening, was almost like an inside joke with Dorian and me just putting that out to just get rile things up. But it obviously went viral. And the true reason why Pierre Maguire and Pierre Dorian were here was because they were scouting the Minnesota Wild. So at their pro scouting meetings, which the Wild are having right now as well, um, all their pro scouts are in town, including Ray Shiro, Mike Madano, um, you know, uh, Randy Sexton, all, everybody's here. And then obviously the pro scouts like Richard Park and, and, um, and Chris Kelleher and people like that. Mark Mowers, um, they're all having their pro scouting meetings. Well, the Ottawa just had theirs, and the one team that they had the biggest fights on were the Minnesota Wild, and just uh, trying to get ready for the trade deadline, who's, who should be ranked where in terms of who they should pursue, because obviously, one, Ottawa is willing to take on money, but two, they, they were willing to trade players. And so uh, they were here scouting the Minnesota Wild. So Ottawa is a team to pay attention to as the trade deadline comes up. Um, it's March 21st, so it seems like we're right around the corner because we're, we're hitting February, but it's later this year. So it's uh, like, as Anthony and I were just talking, it does feel like this team, if you can get that one more center to play between Boldy and Fiala, this is one good hockey team. Yeah, I think, I think this is a team worth making a run, making a deal to make a run. Because How about Philly up 2 nothing now 2-2 two, two, within seconds? Well, they Philly scored about eight seconds or 12 seconds or something into this game, and then they had two shots on goal, I think, at the end of the first period. Uh, but they, you know, I mean, I think this is a team that's earned their general manager's trust. I think it's a team that's worthy of taking a shot at a deal, and you know, if you can get a guy that's capable of playing at that spot in the lineup, I think you really have something. And I don't know what that would yeah. cost. And, and obviously everything, yeah. everything's determinant by, on what you have to give up to get it. But if you can yeah. get a guy capable of filling a top six centerman role, I think they have all the other pieces in place on this club. It, it, it is going to be really interesting how Bill Guerin weighs this with his pro scouts this week and where they rank certain players and where they rank rentals versus guys with term. Because the problem is, is that if you go after a JT Miller, which the Wild have circled back on, and by the way, there's a lot of reasons now to really keep an eye on JT Miller because one, you got Bruce Boudreaux there who knows the Wild roster like like inside out. You got Jeremy, you got Jim Rutherford there who uh, has the connection with Bill Guerin, has made big trades with Bill Guerin already between Pittsburgh and Minnesota with the Jason Zucker deal, and now you have Patrick Alvin who is going to become the GM of the Vancouver Canucks reportedly, who has a long history with Bill Guerin in Pittsburgh too. So that you have right away those relationships, there's reason to pay attention to that. The problem is the only way to afford JT Miller past this year is it, you have to send money back, which means it's, it costs probably a Fiala or a Dumbo or, or, and or a Greenway. And I just don't know in if season, it's worth I wouldn't it. make that Yeah, deal. I wouldn't either. So I think you go the rental route. And I think you call on, on Philly, which close Giroux. I think you pay attention to what's going on in Dallas. And if they fall apart, although New Jersey's not cooperating with that tonight, you go after a Joe Pavelski. If you pay attention to San Jose, who's played a, more games than anybody else, go after a Thomas Hurdle. Um, you know, Malkin, I think, is a pipe dream. You know, why would Pittsburgh trade him right now? And if anywhere, he's going to waive his no move. He's going to go to Florida, where his wife basically spends his, the, off, the, the actual season. So, um, you know, I just don't see... 
a lot of uh, potential there um, with 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 some of the moves. I think it's going to cost a lot. Um, I think everyone has a bit of a wart on why it can't get done. Like Claude Giroux, if you're Chuck Fletcher, you're going to really send and try to help Minnesota win a Stanley Cup. If you're Joe, Joe Pavelski that's been around Ryan Suter all year and have listened to uh, – as much disparaging stuff as you know has been told to him about Minnesota. Are you waving to go with it here? I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like wonder if Bill Guerin's even going to be able to go and make a move. So maybe you have to look at a Chris Tierney in Ottawa or somebody like that. Yeah, and I, I'm for me again, it all comes down to price. I only want to pull the trigger on a deal if it's a significant upgrade on a top six centerman. Mm-hmm. If it's to add another guy that's capable of playing fourth line minutes or something. I mean it. You know, maybe there's a deal out there where you're giving away almost nothing, but they don't. That's not what they need. What they need is somebody that can can fill that spot. And I think the the guys you mentioned, where you'd have to give away money, those deals to me make more sense once the season's over. If you have to try to revamp some things in season right now, you don't want to make a major deal to disrupt what's happening inside this room. I have talked to Billy about that, and he said, you know, it's you have to be real careful about what you do during a season when you've got great chemistry inside a room. But he said, I also feel like we're strong enough inside our room right now that we can withstand another personality in there and they'll be assimilated in. It, it's going to take a lot to disrupt what we have going. And, you know, Billy knows that firsthand. I mean, we, we were talking to him about the, he was a part of the Devils team that faced that Rangers club that basically revamped their roster before they met in the playoffs. And, yep. and he said, you know, it worked for them, but it hasn't worked for a lot of other teams. Yeah. So the, only, the only team that I remember was, was Carolina. And, um, you know, like in 2004, they acquired guys like Dougie Wade, I believe, and Mark Recchi. And and those type of moves and it and it worked. But you well, both it worked times for the Rangers yeah. that year against the Devil. Yep, I mean, that no was doubt. the year they won it. And yep. They changed the they turned over their roster to get bigger, stronger, tougher, more experienced headed down the stretch. But though, there are a lot of other examples where it didn't work. And so I think he'd be careful. You don't want about a Marty it. Hansel situation. No, absolutely you know? not. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Is yeah. if, for me, if it's a guy like that, that's a bottom of the lineup guy. They've got, they're fine in those spots, barring some kind of injury or significant change between here and the deadline. But I think it's this team has proven that they're worthy of giving away an asset to make a deal to bring somebody in in the top, in the top six if you can get it. I'll be interested to pay attention to Vancouver. Start to slip now. They've got a lot of injuries and COVID issues, goaltending issues suddenly as well. Brock Besser is not playing well again. I know that, uh, you know, I, I guarantee you Bruce Boudreaux is going to probably be all over that in the next couple of days. I'm trying to have a conversation with him. And so it'll be... Uh, the only thing they have going for him, though, is that whole division is a mess. Yeah. Other than Vegas and probably Calgary, the rest of that division, I mean, one of Anaheim or L.A. right now would make the playoffs based on points percentage. Yeah. And neither one of those teams look like a playoff-ready team to me. Yeah. San Jose, even though their points tell you that they're in it, if you look at points percentage, they're a ways back. Same with Vancouver. I mean, there's just... It's a division that's light right now. Edmonton's going the wrong direction I mean I just that's the only thing that would maybe keep Vancouver mildly interested even though everything would tell you it's time to make deals going the other way let's open up the floor to questions grain belts is here by the way if you ask a question you get a raffle ticket for some grain grain belt merchandise which will be really cool so there's a microphone up there if you buy grain belt beer as well you get a raffle ticket um so feel free to come on up don't be shy um you know uh, the one thing i will say i've gotten a lot of a lot of questions the last couple of days because greenway and fiala are playing so well like what would it take to 
to to keep them? Do you think they take a haircut? I mean, would you trade Dumbo to do that? I mean, the reality is is that the math is still the math, and. The one thing that I will remind everybody is that Matt Boldy is in the second year of a three-year deal and looks like if he has a great ending of this season and a great year next year, you are going to have to sign him to a big contract. This is the issue. This is what the – it's not only with this upcoming cap squeeze that they have, it's not only the, little, the guys they have to re-sign to keep on this roster. You have to save money to pay Matt Boldy, which is, again, why I think they're slow playing Marco Rossi right now. So, like, it is, it is not as simple as, like, well, can we just get Kevin Fiala in at five, six million bucks? Can we get Jordan Greenway to stay at three and a half? The math just does not work. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there might be a way to keep two of those three guys that you're talking about, but probably not all three. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's for sure a factor in what they're doing with Marco Rossi. I also think Marco Rossi didn't come yeah. up here and look like he was ready to step in and play. I mean, he, he's got the skill and looks like he's going to be a great player. Yeah. yeah. But he didn't come up here and look like Matt Boldy has looked. He's a year behind. He'll be ready next year, and it'll be he'll be a great addition. But I think those two things combined are, are makes all the sense in the world to just let him play in Iowa and barring injury anyway, just barring a major change, let it stay down there. But I mean, I, to me, I just, let's just see what happens at the trade deadline and see what happens the rest of this year, and we'll worry about the offseason in the offseason. There's always ways to make things work if both sides are interested to make them work. And, you know, maybe two out of those three guys – they can figure out a way to make them stay and keep them around, and maybe it's a trade with one of the others that's involved, but who knows? There's a lot of things that have to happen prior to that. You know, um, last night it got chippy at the end, and you know the one thing I was thinking about the whole, um, you know, the Wild getting upset that Matt Dumba was checked at the end of that game is the irony that the Wild felt when Matt Dumba hit Michael Backlund a couple years ago with a minute left that like, look, you know, I know we're getting blown out at the time, but, but we're inside the 60 minutes, so he's fair game to get hit. I just think that, look, it, it, like I get why the Wild were upset there, but I also get the fact that we're in, they're in a 60-minute game. It was still a clean check, and I just, I, I just think the hypocrisy was kind of interesting there and the fact that it was the same player. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have a major issue with the hit other than the fact that we're talking about the he's just standing there letting the final seconds yeah. run down in an eight to two game. Yeah. I mean, that's but different. Gotta, but the, the Backlund other... hit was they're still playing the game. It was right. out in the middle of the rink, and yeah. both teams were at still playing. Line. Here's a guy just standing there saying, Hey, basically, we're not going to try and score anymore. Yeah, I'll just stand here for yeah. the next 10 seconds yeah. and let the But I just think that out. you know, look, like you got to understand their frustration, you got to understand that when they're you know, the Wild get a power play up by five goals and the Wild put out their number one unit yep, that you're just, that. you're asking for trouble. But then if and you're going to skate from the blue line to the wall to hit the guy, yep. you, you better expect, expect that it. Marcus Foligno is yep. going to come yep. calling. I mean, that's, yep. that's the way. I thought one of the most hilarious things that happened during the game, not, not the outcome of the hit, but the fact that Montreal writers and fans thought that Jared Spurgeon intentionally yeah, elbowed Christian Dwork in the face. I mean, this is a guy that, first of all, it's so clear on the replay that he just skates by him and that unfortunately Dvorak turns into him and they're, I don't even know if it's his shoulder, it's more of his back that hits, but this is a, I mean, you, I guess you got to know Jared Spurgeon and watch him on an everyday basis to He's know one of the that cleanest Jared, players in the league. Yeah, like, like you could count his checks on one hand in his career. You could count his penalty minutes on two hands in his career. And it's just, I mean, it was just hysterical 
watching, especially one clown for Montreal hockey now that was just, I mean, hilarious. But How about anyway. the, you know what the great hypocrisy moment yep. of the week was? Was Bruce Cassidy coming out after Marshan was hit? Yes. And talking about how that was such a terrible hit. When it, if you put that next to the hit on Kirill Kaprizov, they're almost identical. Yeah. Well, I, and I think what it just shows you is that like fans see things in their way. Beat writers of cover teams seem th- say things like, you know, like I'll be honest, I didn't even see the Dvorak hit, but if it happened to a wild player, I would have noticed because I'd be looking for where'd that wild player go. So you always see things with the team that you are watching, but, it's, but my point on even bringing up the whole Dumba thing is the irony there that the wild, their contention was when he hit Backlund that with a minute left in that blowout game that like, hey, you play to the final whistle and so then Dumbo gets hit and everybody all hell breaks loose and the same two players that are on the ice are the ones that are that are you know upset by it. I, I, it just what it to me is just another example is you always see things in the in the you know in the vein that you that's that's you know the team that you watch the team that you work for whatever. So who has a question? Somebody has a question. Definitely the Knacks have a question. Officer Matt, you have a question. <laughs> So Officer Matt is here. Um, Officer Matt is the uh, the person that came on the scene when I witnessed that car accident a couple weeks ago. And oh, nice! <laughs> and he just happened to like like what's the chances? I know one one white bear police officer. And he shows up at a at a <laughs> at a car accident that I'm at, and he just first thing he says to me in that great Minnesota accent that the uh, that that Officer Matt and his twin brother have is. Uh, Michael, were you uh, involved? I just thought it was funny. So, Hey, it's Russo again for my friends over at Profile, and it's that time of year again, time to get focused on your health. I know, I know, you say it every January, but this year is different. Well, this year, instead of going at it alone, team up with an expert who actually knows the science behind weight loss, an expert like my certified health coach at Profile, Deb. Profile was created by doctors to take the guesswork out of losing weight. I've lost a lot of weight and I'm keeping it off. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Well, Profile has helped thousands of members like me and they can help you too. Get started today. Visit ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities for a location nearest you. That's ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities. Hey everyone, Attorney Jerry Bosch here with Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. For almost 30 years, we've represented Minnesotans just like you all over the great state of Minnesota to guarantee they've been treated fairly and with respect when they've suffered a work-related injury. A work injury can change your life in an instant. You need someone on your side who can help you focus on getting back on your feet and getting paid while you do. You may be entitled to medical benefits, wage loss benefits, job placement, retraining, and payment for permanent disability. To make sure you are being paid all the work comp benefits you're entitled to, please call the attorneys at Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free, and there's never a fee unless we recover benefits on your behalf. Call 651-333-8300, Bosch Law Firm, or visit us at workcompexperts.com. My friend, Dr. Joel Boyd from TRIA, he, he's just a great man, and he, he took care of me on my first ever visit to TRIA for myself. I had been there before with... With my son and my daughter has been down there to see their doctors. And no matter what your area of problem might be, they've got an expert in the field. And for me, it was Dr. Joel Boyd and my knee after a crash on the side of the mountain in Whistler. And But anyway, Dr. Joel Boyd did a great job on my surgery and, and was so accommodating. And my mom's got in to see him. He's just among the many at TRIO, whether you're an athlete trying to get yourself back on the field or just an active person that is looking to enjoy life to the max. If you've got any kind of problem that way, TRIO Orthopedics is the, is the best place to stop. Question? You've got to be a cop, too. No, okay. I thought Matt only hung out with cops. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, you touched on it earlier. Put the mic up to your... Yep. You, you touched on it earlier. What are the chances the Wild do get Claude Drew? Does he fit in the cap space for how long, and who do we have to give up? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I would say, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't crunched out the math, because to me, the Wild are trying to... There's a reason why they are constantly sending Boldy and Drew to the to the taxi squad. It's to accrue daily cap space because every penny in a deal like that will 100% count because you don't want to go to Philly and say, hey, we need you to um, also retain some salary here because that's going to cost you another um, asset as well. So I, I just think that they're trying to accrue space. They can't do this forever. First of all, the taxi squad might go away at the Ulster break, but you could also only be on the uh, taxi squad for a total of 20 days. So that's one reason why they weren't sending kind of juror down a couple weeks, like a week ago, two weeks ago as well. Um, but look, I, it's going to cost at least a first round pick. There's no doubt about that. And it's probably going to cost a top prospect. Now, there's, you know they're going to ask for guys like Boldy and Rossi. That's not happening. Wallstat, that's not happening. But look, this team has a ton of prospects right now. Um, could you package together two or three of those guys? You know, the, 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 it's that group that drafted Jack McBain, if I remember. Um, you know, you have Huznadinov, you have Beckman, you have, um, you know, all these defense. Like, the Wild have Jonas Brodin on a long-term deal. They have Kalen Addison eventually, on, they're going to probably be on a long-term deal. Just signed Merrill for three years. You have Brodin on a, uh, and Spurgeon on long-term deals. So O'Rourke, Hunt, um, Lambos, they can't all play here. At some point, one, some, one or two of those guys are going to be dealt. Is that now or is that in the future? Um, so the, I, I just think those are the type of, of moves that are going to have to be made. And I think if you're Bill Guerin, because of what we just talked about with the cap space coming up and how squeezed it's going to be, I think you absolutely have to consider being willing to trade a first-round pick now that's lottery protected and, and a prospect. Picking a prospect, yeah, I wouldn't package two or three of those guys. Yeah, I'm just but, saying uh, that uh, they right. have many. Yeah, you know? they do. And uh, but a pick and a prospect, I think, is worth it if you can get a guy that, as I was talking earlier, that can fit in the top six as a center. Yeah. Do you think Giroux can? He hasn't played a ton of center. He hasn't played a ton of center, but I think I, I I haven't watched him enough these last couple of seasons to see how much his game has slipped. But a couple of years ago, he could have. So I mean, I'd be intrigued by him, but. I wish I talked to you before I acquired him. <laughs> you're, I already wish I did. Well, I, I mean, I'm just, I don't watch, I haven't watched a ton of Philadelphia games this year, so I don't know if his game has slipped. His last year, he scored a ton. Yeah. And, you know, on that, on that line with those two guys, if, that's, if you're looking for a guy to fill there, I'm sure he could handle playing center yep. in that spot. Um, Pavelski, uh, what do you think? Pavelski can play. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're see, all speculating here because I, I have no idea. Yeah. We have no idea what people are going to And Dallas, I mean, I, Dallas right now would be the last playoff team in the Western Conference yep. by points percentage. They're number eight. You know, five, five teams would come from the Central. They'd be ahead of Winnipeg in terms of points percentage. I have no idea what they're thinking, if they're thinking that, you know, they're on the edge or that uh, I, I don't know if they're ready to move a guy like him yet. I really don't think the – the soured stories from Ryan Souter would have any impact on that, to be honest with you, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, and then Hurdle, what do you think? I like Hurdle. Yeah. Uh, Hurdle's, Hurdle brings a, he's a little, uh, brings a little more sturdiness to that line, I think. Giant. He's a, he's a little bigger and. Great guy. And I don't, I don't know him at all personally, don't know much about him personally, but he's a pretty good player. 
and adds a little strength and zip. I, I just think when you watch the way Fiala and Boldy played, even late last night, after Boldy scored the power play goal, it was amazing how much more confident those two guys looked. And they've, they haven't been, I'm not saying they looked like Kaprizov and Zuccarello, because a lot of the plays they've tried to make the last few games haven't worked, and, and they've had a lot of blind passes turned over, and they don't have the equity built up that those other two guys do. But I also think when you watched them last night, it was amazing how once a little confidence got into Matt Boldy, the plays they were trying to make have you excited. I mean, all of a sudden, you might have a second scoring line. I thought Wes Walls made an interesting point. He said, watch for those guys when the team goes on the road right now because the other team's best best defenders, best shutdown guys are going to be focused on that Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Hartman line. And when these guys get on the road and all of a sudden Fiala and Boldy are playing against five, six D-men sometimes and, and maybe a second or third line in terms of forwards, so you might see them do their damage. And, and Fiala, seven of his first nine goals had come on the road this season. Don't be surprised if we see those guys start to pile up some numbers on this upcoming trip. Yes, it's amazing. Seven goals and nine. Um, and Colorado's on fire. Vegas is playing. Uh, they, they were on fire on the road. Question. What's up? Uh, question. Are you guys willing to share any of those suitor stories that he might be feeding Pavelski? No, I'm just well, saying, I mean, he got bought out by a GM that, that, that he had friction with. He's, um, you know, we've talked about on the podcast before. I mean, you know, this is somebody that, that obviously they, they moved because they wanted to get him out of the locker room. I mean, it's, that's, it's, it's really that simple. I mean, when, when like... <laughs> Like, I can't, you know, it's not an easy story to write or talk about, but when, when they constantly talk about the welcoming locker room and all that stuff, there is no doubt what they are talking about. Like, you don't need it sort of, um, you know, spelled out, really. And, and so, like, that's my only concern is that Pavelski and Suter are buddies, and, you know, you got a year of him just, you know, talking, talking out Minnesota. He's not the first guy that's been bought out, and everybody who gets bought out probably thinks the GM's a bad guy that right. bought him out. and Bill Guerin made him $16 million bucks extra that he yeah. wouldn't have and made in his And Bill Guerin's got some equity built up in the league in terms of respect. So, I mean, Ryan Suter might be turning to him and saying, you know, I think the guy's a jackass, but I think Pavelski's smart enough to know that, well, you might be a little bit biased with your opinion. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. And then a uh, second question. If we were to trade for a center... Would that mean Goudreau would be the odd guy out or Sturm? Never the odd guy out of the lineup. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. I just think he'd he would be, just move fourth line out. right wing. Yeah, I mean, Duham or Durer would be the odd guy out. This is assuming everybody's healthy, right? Um, so, I mean, that's just simple. And, and eventually you're going to be late in games where Goudreau's going to just inevitably move up in the lineup because right. that's just the way. I mean, well, there's a lot of trust there between there the is. coach. There is, and he's not – I mean, there's going to be times where he's – a better fit when you're in a shutdown role, a defensive role, protecting a lead late in the game. And that's why maybe if you, if you add one of these more offensive-minded centers we're talking about, you'd still have that flexibility with not just Goudreau, but guys like Nico Sturm that have proven that they've earned some respect from the coaching staff yep. in their ability to defend. A good question on Twitter from um, Name Can't Be Blank which I think is funny because he probably put that because I guess your name can't be blank on Twitter, so that's his Twitter name. Um, and this is a good question because, you know, this Talbot situation might change everything the Wild do going into the trade deadline. Because if, 
you know, what he says is with the nagging Talbot injury, does acquiring a goalie now become the top priority for the Wild? And uh, th- we're doing this blindly because we don't know the, the severity of this or how nagging it's going to be, but it's certainly not a good sign that he just missed three weeks, come back last night, and gets hurt again. And so you do wonder. I mean, you know, right now behind Kakinen, you know, there's concern. So does that become something that you might have to just add some insurance goalie at the deadline? I'm not saying a number one goalie. I'm not saying Marc-Andre Fleury, but do you have to go get a Thomas Grice or somebody like that, you know? I'm, and again, I'm using name Thomas Grice, not knowing. I'm just, just something right, that pops in my head. throwing out guys like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I, well, for sure, if there's concern that this might be something that lingers on, Dean last night after the game made it pretty clear that it wasn't the exact same injury, same same he what his words were were same injury but different spot and it was just minor he could have gone back out and played but we thought with a big lead why risk it yeah so if that's true and we'll find out this weekend if he's back playing this weekend but if it's not and and he is something is lingering I think you for sure have to add some insurance I will say after talking to Talbot the last couple weeks about this injury that he just had which let's be honest I mean it's a muscle strain um, you know, he s- talked yesterday morning, in fact, about how just lingering this can be and how, you know, he's going to be patient with that one in, in a large part because Kakanen has played so well, what, nine, one and two in his last 14 appearances, 12 starts. Um, you know, I think that that affords him some opportunity, but clearly Talbot is going to be careful with this because he is worried that this is going to keep on going. And so, you know, unfortunately, it looks like he's he's sustained another one of these, something that he says he's never had in his career. Well, and luckily, the Wild are in a good spot with all of that. I mean, they were yep. just able to do be real patient with Jared Spurgeon, with Jewel Erickson Eck, because they've built up a little bit of a cushion with how well they've played. That coupled with the fact that they had a bunch of games get postponed, so it, they were able to let those guys heal fully, and not that they'd ever come out and say, hey, we're hurrying this guy back, but there's not as much urgency when you're sitting where they're sitting as opposed to, let's say, you're in the standings where the Ducks or the Kings or the Sharks are right now. Coming to you live from Split Rocks here in Wyoming. Uh, next live show, February 17th, 7 p.m. at Tuttle's in Hopkins. Please come on down. Again, if you have a question, come on up and you get a raffle ticket to Grain Belt. Good question on Twitter from Adam Lemke. It says, do you see Kalen Addison as the eventual replacement for Dumba, maybe as soon as after this season, um, especially given the upcoming cap crunch? Uh, what do you think of Addison? Do you think he's somebody that could eventually replace him? Because as we know, Dumba's got one year left, six million bucks. We keep on talking about the tap cap crunch. I mean, you can't, like, I, you know, again, I, I know that you're the math wizard between the two of us, but the math doesn't add up to have Fiala here long-term and Dumba here long-term together. It just does not. When you think that guys like Boldy are going to have to eventually be re-signed and all these other quality kids, Kakanen's an RFA. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of guys. Goligoski still hasn't been re-signed as well. Um, Sturm. There's a lot of variables. I mean, and that's why it's, I don't even. Well, let's just I talk about even, this. Cal- I don't even waste, Addison, right, what do you think? I like Addison a lot. Yep. And I thought his game in Denver was the best game he played. And then I thought he was outstanding against Chicago. Right, and, in Chicago. Yep, and I just thought he's, he looks like a guy who's getting more and more confident. They had him running the power play. But that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Dean is here's a guy who he knows is going to be the odd man out as soon as Spurgeon's ready to return. He knew that going into the game Friday night in Chicago, and yet he's got him running the top power play. Yeah. Because while you're in the lineup, you're the best guy I have for right. that spot. I'm going to empower you. I trust you. And it's just a numbers game that when Spurgeon comes back, he's out. When Brodeen comes back, Ben's going to likely be the guy out. And, 
you know, it's a great problem to have with that kind of depth. But I thought Addison in these last couple games has really shown an advancement of his game. I thought he was stronger in his yeah. own zone, more confident with the puck. And I think Addison can help this team next year. The, the other thing with Kalen Addison, too, is, like, when you never notice him being horrible. Like, you know, like, that's the thing about defensemen. Like, if you notice them in a negative way, it means that they're really good, really not playing well. But if you don't notice them, it means that they're just doing their job in a lot of ways. And when do we ever look at Kalen Addison at that size and age as being overwhelmed? I mean, even in Colorado, as you said, I mean, that's not an easy assignment when you're playing, uh, you know, not just the McKinnon line. And I, I didn't look at the numbers to see how often he went up against them. But you're at a minimum, by you know, you're going to wind up out there against Kadri's line a lot. And yet he never is in a position where he's overwhelmed. He's got this aura about him. Even when we talk to him, he's so confident. And I do think that he is somebody, I mean, they can't, again, as we just said with all the defensemen, they can't all play here. They're eventually going to have to, you know, um, you know, open up some doors here. And I just don't know beyond next season how you afford to keep Dumba, even if at the, at the same price, if Dumba's willing to say, I love it in Minnesota, we know the respect, the mutual respect that he and Billy Guerin have together. I mean, Dumba's not going to sit there and be like, you know what, I'll stay for four. I mean, that that's just makes no sense. Doesn't make sense to you. I don't think he would. I think he's going <laughs> to. I, I mean, let's, let's we'll yeah. see what happens when we get to the off season. Yeah, but no. for, but the the question about Addison is that I like his game a lot, and I think he's I think he showed that he's ready to play in the NHL next year. Yep. Um, here's a question uh, for both of us from Bryce. Um, favorite All-Star moment, or do you guys t just take vacation during the All-Star weekend? I am actually not going to the All-Star game this weekend, um, this, uh, this up next weekend. Um, even though it's in Vegas, I am going to go visit my, uh, my mom in Atlanta and brother because I haven't seen them in months. So uh, the athletic wanted me to cover the All-Star game, but do it from a league perspective. And I'm like, I do it from a Kaprizov perspective, but not everything. Um, I, I, I've always liked the All-Star game. Like, my favorite moments that I remember are um, I, three just popped right in my head when you asked that question. One is 2001 or three, we're at the Staples Center, and, and in a row, Bill Guerin, Jeremy Roenick, and Mark Parrish walking in the line onto the ice. Um, actually, a, a ton just popped in my head. I remember meeting the guy from Five for Fighting that night too. The, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, you know the lead singer of that band. Um, All Star Game. Mark Billy Guerin also part of this story. And Brian Ralston in Dallas in 2000, I think seven or nine. Had to be nine. No, no seven. Had to be seven. Um, Brian Ralston goes out there. Should have freaking won the uh, the MVP of that game. Uh, he was absolutely unbelievable. And then the other one that was just a great one was up in Toronto. Um, when Valbury and Pavelbury were on the same line before the, the Wild, the Panthers acquired Valbury to play and with Pavel in Florida, and those two on the line with Victor Kozlov, and it was just a dynamic, dynamic game. Do you have any Ulster game moments that you like? I tell you what, the, the ones I like the best are since they changed to this format. Mm -hmm. I used to hate watching the All-Star game because it wasn't hockey. I mean, when nobody's defending and nobody's hitting, it's, it's not a hockey game. And three-on-three, three, nobody hits, but it's because it's three-on-three. Three. So you're still playing it largely the same way you'd play three-on-three three during the regular season. So I've enjoyed the tournament since they've gone to this three-on-three three format. And it, the players seem to be more competitive in these spots. There's been a few exceptions with guys that basically just went there to screw around. But for the most part, it's been guys that have, have been competitive, and therefore it's more entertaining to watch. It's, it's the reason why I've always thought the baseball all-star game was the best of the bunch, because it was the one where the game changed yeah. the least amount. 
and you know football, basketball. They, it doesn't; they, those games don't do much for me. Hockey, I like. I've enjoyed it a lot more in this three-on-three format. B- Benny asked why I don't go on the team charter. Benny from Australia, because nobody likes you. Yep, there you go. Uh, Glenn asks, uh, with the remarkable impact Hartman has had on a very team-friendly contract, is there any other way to get him some compensation on a one-time performance-based bonus that would not elevate uh, next year's salary cap? No, um, he can go get an endorsement deal at. Split Rocks, uh, or the mayor, the mayor of Wyoming, who's here, uh, could go and. Uh, and did you watch any the, of that stuff? Do that, Wyoming from the interview the, the the feature we did on Ryan Hartman? Uh, no, I didn't. It was great, and I mean, he was really a just a tremendous young man. But yep. we chatted for quite a while one day, and we've used a few pieces of it. And we had one, and we used it Friday night when they played against Flurry in Chicago. He talked about facing Flurry in the playoff series last year. I don't know if you remember the game. He had like either six or seven shots on goal. And Fleury stopped him all night. And he was talking about it now this year about, and Fleury always like, he makes it look like he's going to give you the glove side and then he takes it away. And he said, the first three, I went glove side on all of them and he stopped all of them. And he said, so then I'm on the bench and I'm thinking, okay, next time. He'll never think I'm going glove side again. So I'll go glove side again. And I did it again and he stopped me. And it it was really interesting to hear how much thought he put into it as the game went on. And so then, I don't know if you remember his two goals in Chicago, both were the other shoulder. Yep. He didn't mess around with glove side anymore. One went under the armpit, and the other one went top shelf over the stick side. So he learned his lesson, but it was great. We played those sound bites during the broadcast yep. that night. It was really interesting. Ryan Hartman uh, was super sick that night, but if he had any energy, I think he probably would have gone to uh, Flurry and said, you know, see, karma. I hit the crossbar going the other way, but it still bounced in off your shoulder. Yep. Um, you know the funniest thing? Uh, so we asked... Um, Hartman after the game, you know, do you say anything? Because he's only played with like four or five guys that are still on that that Chicago team, right? Right? Connor Murphy and uh, DeBrinkett there for were there at the cup of coffee at the end of his tenure in Chicago. Then obviously Tanner Caves. He goes, yeah, I didn't have a lot of energy. The only thing I did go is <laughs> he goes up to Patrick Kane during one stop and she goes, "What's wrong with you this year?" <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. Oh, man. He does still have some friends in that organization. Yeah. He, I know he plays golf with some of them in the summertime yeah. there. And, you know, his first season, his most common line mates were Taves and Hosa. Yeah. And it's not surprising that was his best season prior to this year in terms of scoring. But I, he, we talked about that that day, too, that he learned so much more Hosa than Taves with just how to play the game, how to – how to understand the the requirements that this game has in terms of respecting the puck, possession of the puck, everything, taking care of it, being responsible defensively. And Hosa was one of the best in the business at that. But he t- talks about a couple plays where he watched Hosa, and he said he had a way of protecting the puck. He wouldn't even keep it on his stick. He'd just kind of keep he'd keep the puck moving and therefore then protect it with his body. And he, he said, I've, I learned so much from him watching him play the game. Um, Andrew uh, asks, um, how do you like uh, Dean's energy, whether that be after their OT win when he excitedly pushed, shoved his assistants, to, uh, to him getting fired up and vocal with the fighting against the Canadians toward the end of the game? Um, you know, that, that's the neat thing about Dean. I mean, he is absolutely uh, feels comfortable in his skin now. He is the head coach of this team. And uh, he and it's hard not to if you're playing for him and you're seeing your coach with that much fire. How do you not run through a wall for that? Well, guy? and you see a guy who trusts his staff. 
So he respects his staff the same way he asked the players to respect each other and trust each other. And it was from day one. When he got hired as the interim coach, I remember chatting with him the next day, and he said, I asked him how it would change being the head guy. He said, it won't change at all. He said, this is our staff. It's our power play. It's our forecheck. It's our penalty kill. It's our forward group. It's our decor. It's not his decor and his penalty kill and anything. I mean, so... He really trusts those guys. Different coaches are the ones that are in talking to the team before games and at intermission sometimes. He lets different guys run the meetings if they have a, an opinion or something to say. And I think that f- bleeds through to the team. And, yeah, the energy at the end is exciting. Wes and I were talking about it on the broadcast the other night that when the game goes OT, Tony DaCosta might want to bring out some helmets or something. And He's nowhere pass around them out there to anymore. The, no, pass them out to the other assistants yeah. so that – if they happen to get clunked in the head, they're prote- they're well protected when the wild wins. Tony's neck hurt for about two months when he uh, yeah. got him a couple of years ago. Um, by the way, we were remiss to not uh, thank Matt Olson for coming out here and his awesome parents. And if you yeah, have speaking not, speaking of Tatino yeah, Grace, yeah, Tatino Grace, 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 as well. Okay. And um, Matt, if you uh, don't know about Matt, just Google Matt Olson and Michael Russo. You'll see some awesome pictures there. I wrote a, a story a couple years ago on him. Great photographer at that uh, that shoot Tremendous. as well. Um, named Margo, Margo LaPanta. So uh, thanks, Matt, for coming out and your awesome parents. Any more questions before we wrap up the show? This is your last call. If you're tired of rust and hard water stains on your appliances, dishes, sinks, and toilets, well, Aquarius Home Services in Connecticut is offering $222 off a whole home Connecticut water treatment system. Kinetico provides the world's most efficient water softener. It's completely non-electric, and it leaves you a 24-7 soft water. So where to start to get this? Well, contact my friends over to Aquarius Home Services in Connecticut and ask for a free water analysis. One of their trusted water experts will come to your home, test your water for free, and by the way, it's absolutely so cool to watch them do this, and they'll provide quality options that make sense for you and your home. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com, and don't forget to mention Russo sent you. When you go Go to Kowalski's, check out their the deli area. When you're throwing together an appetizer tray, their people are so knowledgeable when it comes to different cheeses and different salamis and can help you get the right combination on your appetizer platter. AJ was in town the other night. He walked up and he was like, holy cow, does this tray look? He said, I could, this could be my meal. And a lot of times <laughs> it can. We've had just some great luck with some of their different cheeses. And the, the Briat cheese is my favorite. With the, They've got a red table salami that is it's a, from a company here, a local Minnesota company that the salamis are awesome. You can pick them up at Kowalski's. If you're going to have a great meal, you're going to have great company, you're going to have a great night just celebrating food drink around the table you might as well start with the best ingredients and i get those at kowalski's everything is about to change if you've been watching the news you know that interest rates are likely to rise several times in 2022 that means the time to sell your home is now buyers want to buy before interest rates go up so they're highly highly motivated and if you're holding out because you can't find a place to move to next well chris Sundahl real estate has the perfect solution to help you it's their guaranteed offer program Guaranteed offer means you can sell now while your equity is high, then pick your closing date so you have more time to buy while interest rates are at historic lows. The bottom line is when interest rates rise, selling opportunities fade. So now is the perfect time to sell your current home and find your next one. But the window is closing fast. By this time next year, don't regret sitting on the sidelines while others perfectly time the real estate market. Act now and take advantage of this unique and once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Join thousands of other homeowners who have already received a guaranteed offer by visiting chrislindahl.com today. That's chrislindahl.com. Some terms and conditions apply. Knew we'd get somebody. 
Come on up. So tell me about the Knacks. How did, how did you wind up friends with these bozos? Uh, well, I had actually met Logan here on the left uh, up in St. Cloud State, uh, and his roommate was Ben. So met them from St. Cloud and then met Bill later on. So Nice. Uh, so Billy is the one that I, I told you a couple years ago, I bought an Apple Watch for like 900 bucks and sold it to him for like 150 like a week later. <laughs> it was just, how much was it? How much did you give me? It was like a couple hundred. I, I remember my mom being ticked and, uh, because, because I, I dragged her to the mall with me to go buy this Apple Watch. And I, like, you know, like, I'm like, oh, it's be cool. And then I just immediately, I'm like, this thing, I have no interest well, in it. Well, it's because it and, put your heart rate on it yeah, and it worried you. Exactly. That's true. It, it was like telling me I was, uh, you know, like, I don't like I things remember that you, tell so me. We like, sat, you sat at dinner at our house one night. Yeah. And the whole night, I was, holy cow, my heart rate is this. Yeah. I mean, it, well, remember then we started testing uh, Margot's resting heart rate, and it was like 160. So, um, but I remember, like, I just, what I didn't like about it is when it would tell me to breathe. Like, stand up and breathe. I'm like, well, why don't you mind your own business? I'll <laughs> breathe when I want to breathe. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, Bill, Billy, tell me you're still wearing that thing. No? And they, uh, it's a new one. Okay. Yeah, so you should go to the mall on your way home. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, question. Yeah, so I guess back to the trade deadline. With Lambos in the prospect pool, you got Addison that's able to come up. I'm, I feel like Goligoski would still take a team friendly with, uh, with Merrill re-signed. Is it worth breaking up that locker room camaraderie to trade Dumba for that center value? No, I not mean, during the season. Yeah, not during the season. I think it, I think anything would. My personal opinion is, unless it's JT Miller, um, which Dumba would. I don't think it. Would, I think that'd be more of a Fiala type move. I just think Dumba, Fiala, Greenway. If those guys are getting moved, it would happen in the off season. Those are more off season moves. Rentals are more in season moves. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that Pittsburgh connection now in Vancouver is something to absolutely keep an eye on. Because when I was writing about J.T. Miller earlier in this year, that wasn't just invented stuff. That was going on. And that was when, when you know, that's when Benning was still there and Travis Green. Now you got this whole Pittsburgh connection there. It changes the, changes the dynamic, I think. Billy? Ready. So um, out of the Central, who would you say has our number more or who would we want? Or who would be a better matchup in the playoffs, either St. Louis or Colorado? Yeah, that's a great question because St. Louis is the team they'd land on right now. And, man, St. Louis has had their number in the last couple of years. They have. And Colorado did a little bit last year, too. I, I still think Minnesota's better than St. Louis. I think the, the team we saw at the Winter Club, that wasn't the Minnesota Wild. That, yeah. was, that was a different crew. And I think ultimately there's going to be a collision between the Wild and the Avs at some point in this playoffs. And I think Minnesota matches up with them as well as anybody. But I think right now on paper, Colorado is the team to beat in the yeah, West. The thing that concerns me the most, and this, this might sound ludicrous, this might be the second most ludicrous thing that said this, this podcast other than Anthony saying that, that – uh, the Hartman lines, the better line between the two, uh, the, between McKinnon, Lannisgog, and No, Randman. I said it's in the conversation with the yeah. best lines in so hockey. I, I, the other one is like, uh, to me, what scares them more than that top line is their blue line. Like, I, like Devon Taves, it, like we always talk about McCarr and Girard. Javon Taves is unbelievable hockey player. Like, what a great pickup by, by Joe Sackick. Yeah, and, and that's where that, Colorado was yeah. always susceptible was defensively. Yeah. And I still think they are. But when they're going to force add them to play in your own yeah. in their own zone. But especially with Byram out now for personal reasons, like they're going to add a D. Like you know, what was funny last night about Ben Sherratt 
was he auditioning for those scouts? There were a ton of scouts last night watching Ben Sherratt, and Sherratt was playing the tough guy role last night, like almost exaggeratedly. And it was like, he almost, like at, at one point, honestly, when he was getting into it with like a guy like Zuccarello, I, I almost felt like he was like looking up at the press box, like, please just yeah. get me the hell out well, of I'll this place what, right now. If you were a defenseman yeah. auditioning last night was not a victory yeah, no. in auditioning. There oh, man, was that, nobody on the ice yeah, that knew what that they were one, doing. Yeah, that, was one, that is one bad defensive team. Question. A little bit on the lighter side. Um, do you see the NHL in the news and the TV broadcasters returning a little bit more entertainment during like intermission? Sort of like Peter the Puck we had back in the 70s. Anthony, you want to put on a... I'm uh, trying to remember Peter the Puck. I don't... The, I do, but I, I'm, I'm try, I remember like hearing the phrase, I'm, but I, we had, we tried some things at when we were Fox Sports North to try to get, to try to keep people watching during the intermissions. And we had a couple that I, that were entertaining, but they kind of ran their course. We used to do a face-off thing with Kevin Gorg and Mike Greenlay where they'd argue about a few topics and fans would vote via text for who made the better argument. But I think, I think Greener lost a lot, so they'd, they took that away, and I don't know. It, it's, there, there and are then, some and then Greener that, lost his mind on Twitter to those same people, yeah, right? That who voted for Kevin? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's no. I, I mean, there are some things that you know with technology that we're trying to add, but the entertainment side probably not more. You know, kind of down the none of us are funny enough to make that stuff work. You know what? My, like I, I feel because you know, like look, you, you always think as a as a sports writer, like. You know, maybe one day you do full time TV or something. And a lot of times every I watch. Everybody thinks they can be a TV guy. Yeah, and every time I watch like the studio shows, like the on set stuff and the fake laughing and the like, they're you know they go in a commercial and you hear them bantering back and forth. It's all just staged or or the games that they play. I just I I find maybe it's because I'm the cynical like person watching it and knowing it's staged and that they're not really finding each other hilarious. I just find it hook like like yeah, I don't, like I, don't, I, don't, like I just think it's I like, hate all those shows yeah. that are the you know fact or fiction this yeah, and I throw can't up take the topic it drives me crazy yeah. so next there um I'm wondering like do you think this is the most confident wild team like swagger wise like going into playoffs you know like locker room vibe like that you've seen Definitely. Uh, in his you know I mean in their yeah. history Definitely. I mean, a lot could change between now and the end of April. There's a long, a lot of games left. I mean, the Wild haven't even come. They're not even at the halfway mark here. Um, but don't you agree? Like they are, they're going to go in if they are healthy, feeling very, very confident. But this is look. This is a tough conference. I mean, we just talked about like as good as the Wild are, they're going to probably go into that St. Louis series if they're playing them as the underdog, even if they have home ice. Just based on the fact of the way that the last couple of years have gone for them and and all that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that, but you know. The reality is that to go to where they want to go and have to beat the Blues and then maybe have to beat the Avs and then maybe have to beat the Knights, that it is. That's a tough road. Yeah, it's a and tough And that's road. probably what it's going to be. But it, the, your question's interesting. And so on Hockey Day, we had Miko Koivu join us during the second intermission, or second period. And we asked him, watching from afar, if he could sense the chemistry and camaraderie. He said, absolutely. So then we got on the subject with Wes who was a part of the 03 team that went to the finals. And he said this is the first team he's seen that went to the conference finals. He said this is the first team he's seen that looked like they were playing for each other at the level that that team was. So, 
you know, for, for me, definitely, without a doubt, but I think those are two guys who have basically been a part of this organization from the beginning, and they both see something different as well. Okay, yep. Um, then lastly, I heard uh, Hockey Day was going to be in White Bear. Uh, and it I was, is. I wanted to ask you who you think the, the best player from White Bear Lake is that ever came out of White Bear Lake. I know you've seen a few. I remember yes. you're from KBL yep. 15. I used to Ryan watch Carter. Him. Well, Ryan Carter's got to be. be close to the top, but he's after. I was gone by the time Ryan Carter was was there. I saw well, there were some great players there. Oh, yeah. You know, Brian Bonin was probably yeah. the the most dominant player. Uh, you know, then it was the kind of the next wave. I mean, there were some. Uh, Matt Henderson was a part of those teams, and Tom Jensen, the Rhodes. I mean, they they had some really good hockey players. There, there Nick Parnell was a part of that team that that beat Hill Murray in the final. So Bonin was the best, though, in terms of high school hockey. He was, yeah, was fun. he was unbelievable. Okay. But I but but Ryan Carter has a Dane named after him in Mankato. So we have to Ryan Carter Day is a real thing. So I'd have to vote for yeah, Ryan. Carter. We got to go with Ryan. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Last, anybody else? Or we're going to wrap up the show. You're going to work uh, Hockey Day next year, I assume? <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah. It's a shorter drive than Mankato was this year, so I'll be there. And if it's, if we can get the, the matchup, we, we're a long way from determining matchups, but there's, I mean, everybody's got to have a, there's got to be an idea in the back of everybody's mind that if you're going to go to White Bear, the other side should be wearing green and black. And it, I mean, What's better than a Hill Murray White Bear game on Hockey Day in Minnesota? We'll see if we can get that done, and, and if awesome. so, I will be there. Yep, that'll be awesome. I um, I, I'm actually looking forward to that because White Bear's. I feel like it's my second home. I spent a lot of time in White Bear Lake, uh, so pretty cool. Um, question. So for the All Star Game, I was just wondering for your guys' opinion, should it be a participation trophy or should the best players be playing? Because I think Kadri should be in the All Star yeah, game. Yeah, well, he he was he eventually yeah. picked in that last men thing. Yeah, but it's unbelievable to me the number of really good players that aren't in it, and you know that's just the nature of having 32 teams and picking only nine basically players and per team uh, forwards and th what th what is it three two picking, yeah, some teams have two defensemen right I mean if you're picking 11 guys yeah then, and saying you have to get one from each team that's eight that only allows you three other picks I, I mean I understand the philosophy behind it but really is a fan in Vancouver only going to watch if there's a Canuck playing is a fan on Long Island only going to watch because Adam Pellick is representing the Islanders. I mean, I, I don't think so. I think, I think fans would love to just see the best, you know, pick your three sets of forwards, three defensemen and two goalies. you got 11 guys in each division. Pick the best, and if it happens to be five guys from the Avalanche, it's five guys from the Avalanche. Yeah, that's the way it used to be. Um, going back to the Leon Dreisaitl interview, last week you guys talked about it, and I get where you're coming from as far as he's got a job to do, Matheson's got a job to do, but don't you think Matheson may have crossed the line a little bit asking him why he was being pissy? Yeah, but that's sort of what I meant by, like, we don't know what led up to, like, the context that led up to it and things like that. Look, I mean, we could all all judge. I mean, it's a stressful job. It's been a stressful job for the last couple of years with the Zooms and everything like that. You're covering a team that is absolutely derailing now, so you're dealing with a lot of crap 
you know, pushback from players. You can't really have conversations with players. So you're trying to get him to explain to you what's going on in that, in that room. Um, you're dealing with social media and fans uh, going after you. The fans in Edmonton and uh, across the league treat Matheson with very little respect on Twitter for a long time. So, you're, you know, you've got a lot of context there that, that um, led to a frustrated beat writer with a player that was also very frustrated. So I, I don't disagree with you, but, but I, trust me, I've said things to players that, um, that weren't very professional either. A lot worse than that, by the way. And, um, and well, what's that? In the post-game interviews? Um, probably not live like that, but I've definitely gotten into it with players. I mean, trust me. I mean, I've, I've gotten into it with players. I mean, you've witnessed a couple I of have. them. Yeah. Using the word, I, that's the one part that I agree with in that. And I had to, to me, pissy to, was PG compared well, to what he I, could have I said. I understand. What yeah. I'm saying is that it would have been as much as I think Dreisaitl was in the wrong for not just respecting the question. Give, if, if Leon Dreisaitl answers the question and says, you know what, we're struggling right now. We're struggling in every area. Everybody's got to be better. The goalie's got to be better. I got to be better. Defense has got to be better. Then there's no follow-up question, and and it ends right there. And if you're Leon Dreisaitl, you're the you're making millions of dollars because of the fact that fans are coming to the games, they're watching them on TV. That's why you have a job. And the guys who write when you pick up the Edmonton newspaper, the whole sports page is the Oilers, and they have to fill it with. They have to have stories on this. That's why the Oilers exist. And a player that doesn't understand that is fooling himself. But if he, if you're going to criticize him and say that all he has to do is give that answer and then the interview's over, I then look at the writer and say, then just take the high road and say, you know, write it in your paper the next day. I asked him, his answer was no. I mean, now he looks like the idiot. So if you take the high road, you, then he looks like the dumbass. So, I mean, both guys had some fault there. And I had to, after we did our show last week, it was actually my son Vinny who was like, I disagree. I think the writer should have never said the word yeah, pussy. Yeah, I almost lost my mind and, on Vinny. Yeah, and, but the I more I thought about it, the more I thought that's exactly, if we're going to say Dreisaitl should have taken the high road and just given an answer and moved on, the writer should have been able to do the same thing. Yep, uh, I hear you on both fronts. Well, hey, thanks for everybody coming out. Split Rocks, uh, what an awesome venue. Wyoming, an awesome city. Uh, this is a great place to come and watch wild games, so definitely come on out to check, uh, check out Split Rocks up here in Wyoming. Um, next live show again, February 17th, 7 p.m. at Tuttle's in Hopkins. Thanks to our awesome sponsors, and uh, thanks to all of you for coming out. Uh, Bosch Law Firm, Tria, profiled by Sanford, Minnesota Propane Association, Aquarius, uh, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut water treatments, Kowalski's and Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Everybody give Anthony LaPanta a hand. He needs it. <laughs> yeah, right. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner. Brandon, cut that out.